It's worth knowing what's really going on. This is the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Welcome to the sixth episode of our new podcast, Go Atlanta, from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. I'm the AJC's arts and entertainment editor, Shane Harrison. We will be here every Thursday to introduce you to the most interesting people, places, and things to do in and around Atlanta. This is the podcast to get you ready for the weekend. I'm food, dining, and living editor, Lagaya Figueres, and I'm here to tell you some bars and restaurants where you can cozy up around an outdoor fire pit now that cooler weather has set in. I'm Rodney Ho, and I cover entertainment. We'll be bidding farewell to a TV meteorologist who's been in Atlanta for more than 40 years. And we'll also talk about the taping of a long-running TV show happening in Atlanta this week with our special guest, the AJC's Washington correspondent, Tia Mitchell. Hey, everybody. In addition, we'll talk about the terrible loss of one of Atlanta's most influential hip-hop artists. If you're listening to this podcast on AJC.com, please take a moment to follow us on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts so you'll never miss an episode. This is Go Atlanta from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Donald Trump has been indicted in Atlanta. We have so many court dockets to follow, but we haven't really seen anything yet. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution has covered every moment of this historic case. I've been writing about this investigation for two and a half years. Our team is led by reporters Bill Rankin and Tamar Hallerman. Follow our coverage on AJC.com and listen to new in-depth episodes of the award-winning podcast, Breakdown, The Trump Indictment, only from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. First up, on this week's episode, we're going to tackle some of the week's hot topics. And first up is uh, The Daily Show, uh, which is taping here in Atlanta in advance of the elections next week. They're doing four shows here at the Tabernacle, and Rodney Ho actually attended the first taping, right? Yeah, the Tabernacle is a great location for any live event, obviously. And uh, Trevor Noah, who is currently the host and is leaving after seven years on December 8th, you know, he was the MC and he guided the show quite well. I mean, obviously, everybody in that room was a big fan. So it was, it was, right. it was a good energy. Love. Yeah. Yeah. I, I listened to uh, one of the segments, I believe, from the second one. And it's like the audience was was really into it. It was uh, <laughs> it was really interesting. Yeah. I mean, it, these are free tickets, but people obviously had to sign up in advance and wait in line and yeah, it was, uh, you know, it's a very uh, diverse crowd, demographically, racially, probably not politically. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. But it was interesting because they're, they're obviously talking a lot about Atlanta and uh, Atlanta Oh, yeah. Things. I mean, he didn't necessarily just address, you know, on the first day he talked about the food. He made a couple of jokes about fried food and how, you know, everything's fried, okra, fried tomatoes. <laughs> and it seems like the politicians' brains are fried, too. Even a nice <laughs> funny line there. So, so how it, it was a long day though for you, wasn't it? Well, I mean, they had us there pretty early, and yeah. they had a warm up 
act. Uh, I guess he's had a warm up comic, and I guess most TV shows have somebody to warm up the crowd. And he he did it for like almost an hour. He literally would just sit there and talk to the crowd and ask people what they did for a living. And he, it seemed like he interviewed like half the audience, but right. he, was, he was funny, so it, it yeah. went well. Yeah, and of course they had a a, a big guest star that uh, first night. Uh, Stacey Abrams was yep. his first night guest, um, yeah. and he gave her. And it's so funny how tight the time is. He literally, she only had five minutes on air. Right. I mean, she ended up talking to him for ten, and they snipped it to five for yeah. on air. So yeah. it, it, it's quick, but I think it gave her enough time to sort of give her sell points. Right. In a matter of seconds, which I think she's probably done eight thousand times now. <laughs> sure. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it's 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 interesting to have have a show like that here in Atlanta, and and I, I mean, I did just watch a little bit of it, but I, I loved uh, Dulce Sloan did um, a piece, uh, you know, uh, with um, Bim Joyner, the guy who does Atlanta yeah. influences everything. Yeah. He's kind of the the branding expert in Atlanta. Yeah. They talked about blackness in Atlanta and how right. Atlanta is special. To, right. to the black community. Right. And I, I love the thing about uh, uh, the Kroger. Oh, boy. We talked about this last week. Yeah, of course. <laughs> somehow Murder Kroger came up in, to a national audience. I'm sure that that probably confused like 98% of the pop of right. the uh, audience. But yeah. we all got it. <laughs> yeah, the audience there obviously got it. They yes. <laughs> but anyway, so they, they brought their, uh, their correspondents and you talked to them for a Sunday piece that we ran recently. Yeah, I spoke with several of them, Ronnie Chang and, um, of course, Dulce, because uh, she's from Atlanta, yep. and, and Roy Wood Jr. Yep. And, yeah, so uh, speaking of Roy Wood Jr., uh, our special guest, Tia Mitchell, uh, is actually friends with him and spoke with him about this, right, Tia? Yes. So um, in conjunction with our Unapologetically ATL newsletter, we did a whole sit down with Roy Wood Jr. And the cool thing is Roy Wood, Roy and I go way back to our college days at Florida A&M University and we're longtime friends. So let's listen to a snippet of our conversation about that. Thank you so much for sitting down with the AJC today, Roy. And that's a real, like, you really are my friend. Like, you're, like, part of the reason I graduated from journalism school level friend. Right. See, I wasn't sure if you wanted to tell that story. I have no secrets. (laughs) So no secrets. It was my sophomore year, your sophomore-ish year, junior year. Supposed to have been junior, but still sophomore. And yeah. I, I applied, I don't even know if you know, I applied to the FAMUN, which was our school newspaper at Florida A&M University. Yes, yes, yes. And I was like, let me go into a leadership role. Make me an editor. And they were like, well, what, what section? And I was like, any section but sports. And they were like, well, actually, there's a sports editor who's a guy who could use, you know, someone who can help him. So we're going <laughs> to sign you to the sports section, Tia. <laughs> so I worked for Roy Wood Jr., yeah. Until yeah, until my ass got suspended from school for acting a fool, and then it was like, "Good news, Tia, you are now the sports editor." So I went from please don't give me sports to being a, to learning how to do box scores. I'll never forget one time yeah. it was the BCC game, the most lit basketball game, and I'm at the media table taking stats instead of being in the stands with the rest of the students. And I said, "Thank you, Roy." Yeah, you you are, you are very much welcome, and that's what you get for telling the truth to to your boss. And I hope you learned a valuable lesson. And I'm glad you graduated, friend. Yeah, I, I am too. Like, low-key, The Daily Show is the perfect intersection of stand-up comedy and journalism. I love that. It's 
<laughs> so you yeah. ended up being being the sports editor when that was the one thing you did. It was the one thing I said, don't assign me. And, you know, but when they said I would be working under Roy, who's a big sports fan. And um, I was like, OK, well, then I can do that. And then all of a sudden he gets kicked out of school. He did come back, um, but he gets kicked out of school. And I'm like literally like going to cover baseball games and basketball games and softball games. But it gave me an appreciation and exposure that I wouldn't have had otherwise, of course. So it was cool. You know, Roy talked about this intersection. We were in journalism school at FAMU. And now to see his career at a place that really does mesh his journalism background, his understanding of like reporting and news, but also with this comedy career that he developed while in college was really interesting, too. Yeah, there's some talk he might take over for Trevor. Yeah. And we did, you know, we asked him in a subtle way, you know, what was his future at The Daily Show? And he was very gracious and just said, you know, he doesn't know what his future uh, will bring, but he's appreciative of his time at The Daily Show, appreciative of Trevor and, and the vision that Trevor's had for the last few years. And he's just going to see where it goes. So, no, he didn't break any news on that note. <laughs> but, you know, he said no matter what, he plans on, you know, finding a way to keep going where it comes to being a comedian and telling jokes, but also to really embrace the side of him. That's the journalism side and the political side. But it is funny. I do want to play another clip about Roy getting his start in comedy, which, again, goes back to our days in college. I don't think I really grasped that Roy's like out here doing it <laughs> until it went from like, you know, you doing Local your thing. Shows. Hey, I'm, I'm going to do a show over at Florida State. Can y'all want to come see me at Florida State? Then Letterman. Letterman. Yeah, that was that year. I did Letterman and Def Jam in the same 12 months, which is like, there's a lot of things that I've done that I could be, I don't know, proud of or whatever. But that's the one thing that really... Because the Letterman and Deaf Comedy Jam are both iconic comedic institutions on totally opposite ends of the spectrum. And to be able to have thoughts that could get me on either program, I don't know. It's just something I'm, I'm just proud of. And that's, you know, Deaf Comedy Jam is that iconic show that catered to black audiences. And it was a very different type of comedy than being on a mainstream late night TV show like David Letterman, which is like very, you know, it's late night, but it's still family friendly and things like that. And and so that to me was like when I really grasped that like Roy is out here famous, you know, like he's <laughs> doing David Letterman and David Letterman like was very I remember watching it, you know, staying up and watching it to support him and watching David Letterman like really anoint him as like a new voice in comedy. Um, and this was like 2008, 2009, you know, so it's like really crazy. Yeah, it, it's, I just love the fact that, that he can, you know, mesh those two sides of, you know, it's like he, he started the comedy thing, but he was also in journalism. And there probably aren't a whole lot of outlets that mesh those two things, I would imagine. And they really have to like go out, report, like, yes, it results in like comedy and 
funny or satirical or like very pointed commentary on politics or the news. But you can't get to that laugh line if you aren't all first doing your research and setting up interviews and 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 yeah, so those field pieces are hard to do. Yes. So and they've done a lot for these four live shows. They've been in Georgia, you know, even before the live shows, they had to come here and and again, find your sources and all the things that we as journalists do. That's what they have to do at The Daily Show in order to have the material to, you know, fill out their shows, whether they're taping in their normal location or here in Atlanta. Yeah, Roy and Trevor did a funny bit on Waffle House. Yes, I watched that. That was hilarious. The idea of the Waffle House, um, the violence is part of the experience. (laughs) That the best part of Waffle House is not the food, but the fights. And then the idea that if you're going to be there, you have to record it on your phone. (laughs) And the joke is, of course, yeah, Roy and Trevor get into a fight and then they have Tyler Perry inserted in their videotaping them yeah. i love it <laughs> but you know what there is so much truth to the idea of violence at waffle house i remember that when we did this mini guide to waffle house a few years ago the visuals editor specifically came up to me and was like make sure we get a whole lot of shots of the food and interior because the majority of ajc archives when it comes to photos yep. have yellow police tape around them <laughs> yeah And it's because, I mean, you think about it. Waffle House is where people go after the club. It's late at night. They're 24 hours. So, but my funniest Waffle House story actually is like some friends and I went for like breakfast. It was like day, full day. And like the Waffle House employees started arguing with each other about one employee thought another employee stole their tip. And it was just so hilarious. Me and my friends were like, Okay, the drama's going down at the Waffle House, but it's like we can't quit Waffle House because it's so delicious and so comforting. (laughs) Even, you know, again, and I know we're making light of it. We don't, I don't want to gloss over the fact that like the real violence is like terrible and we don't want that. But like a little bit of drama with your Waffle House, that's just like give you fun stories to tell. Right. And like you said, I think a lot of it is because it's 24 hours and, you know, I, I've often said that nothing good happens after 2 a.m. So, you know, a lot of those things that, that seem to happen in the middle of the night because it's open 24 hours. So, But anyway, back to Roywood Jr. Uh, and uh, The Daily Show, which is, again, taping here in Atlanta this week. Was there something else you wanted to uh, share with us? One last clip, and this is a clip that I think will help us all bring it full circle, is Roy talking about why The Daily Show chose to do its pre-election live shows here in Atlanta. The Daily Show is in Georgia because there isn't an issue in Georgia that isn't also happening somewhere else in the country. I think Georgia is a perfect microcosm of what's happening across the country when it, when we're talking about specific issues, be it voting rights or voter suppression with, you know, the, y'all can't have no snacks at the polls. Apparently, if you pull out an oatmeal cream pie, you go to jail. If you get a, somebody bring you a sip of water, you're going to go to jail. Um, you know, you have you have a, a gun law here where you can just straight buy a gun the same way you buy a Snickers bar. So there's a lot of people that have problems with that. You have a heartbeat bill that your governor is pushing. And so I think that these are all discussions that are happening in other places across the country. And as we know from 2020, you know, Ossoff and Warnock were essentially what helped 
break a tie. <laughs> like, right. The balance of power in the U.S. Senate. So how many laws were passed? How many things were Joe Biden able to do or to block from happening because of those two men? Yeah. And so I think that we're in the same situation here again. And that's part of why Trevor wanted to come here. You know, it, the, the conversations we had internally, if I'm not mistaken, it was Georgia, Wisconsin, Arizona. Yeah, Atlanta's better. Arizona too hot, Wisconsin too cold. This has chicken wings. <laughs> so I'm glad they ended up here. And I think it makes a lot of sense when you look at how consequential the last election season was. And it came, it literally came down to the two Senate races in Georgia. But also, of course, Biden being able to carry Georgia helped him win the White House. So it makes sense. But also chicken wings. Yeah. <laughs> Who Love can the chicken that? wings, yeah. yes. <laughs> that's awesome. So, yeah, that's uh, great. Thank you so much for uh, bringing us uh, this. And I want to mention that you can hear more of this on uh, Unapologetically ATL, our weekly newsletter, which goes out, I believe, on Thursday. Um, and you can sign up, of course, at AJC.com, and you'll get to hear much more of uh, Tia's interview with Roy Wood Jr., we also want to talk about a few other things here in Hot Topics. The death of Takeoff in uh, Houston, which was just a horrible, horrible thing. It was um, at a private party. For those who don't know, Takeoff was part of Migos, one of the most influential, biggest rap acts here in Atlanta of the last probably 10 years or so. And it was just a terrible thing. It happened uh, Tuesday, I believe. Yeah, and as of this taping, yeah, the story is still developing. We don't yep. quite know exactly what happened and why he ended up being the one shot right. and killed. Yeah, yeah the uh, Houston uh, Police Department yesterday did a press conference, and they were just begging for people to come forward. It was a private party. Uh, I think they said there were about 40 people there, and they were like, somebody saw something, somebody knows. Yeah, and all three members of Migos were there playing dice. Well, were I think they? No, two, no. Two no? of the three. Two of the three. Oh, really? Well, it was it, Offset not there? Well, the, the Houston PD didn't confirm that Quavo was there yesterday. Um, that's the last but I I've heard. I've seen TMZ show video. Yeah, that shows Quavo okay. was there. Okay. You so know, there's been a little bit of a rift. So I yeah, would have been apparently. more surprised if Offset uh, yeah, was there. Uh, yes, that's the thing. That's it's true. Like, They've become a duo for now. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, Unk and View, they, they called themselves Quavo. and released an album last month. Um, yeah, without Offset, because uh, Offset basically had left, and, and Migos became... Yeah, that hasn't been fully explained what happened there. Um, yeah, no, but, you know, that's I guess that's their business. Yeah. yeah, Takeoff was only 28. I, he was the one who basically started the band, uh, the group. Yeah, um, yeah right. Uh, I don't know if you defined it as a band, but uh, the, the trio. Yeah, he's, he's nephews with Quavo, Quavo, Quavo though, but, uncle, they, but they yeah. grew up like brothers yep. in Lawrenceville. Right. Um, and um, they they brought Offset in. Right. Um, what's interesting is, I guess, Bad and Bougie, uh, for some reason, Takeoff wasn't actually in the original <laughs> recording. Oh, really? Yeah. And that was that. the BET Awards. There's this iconic interaction where DJ Academics, who's this kind of like host that interviews a lot of rappers, he asked the Migos about Takeoff being left off Bad, bad and Bougie, and they kind of took offense with it and like academics is like cowering a little bit because like the Migos are like, who got left off bad and bougie, you know? And then there's this girl in the background looking like, oh, it's going down. What's going on over over here? So there's like it became a meme of the girl like trying to figure out like, 
is something getting ready to go down? Because right. the Migos is not too happy with academics right now. Yeah. And to me, that's what I, when I think about the Migos. And yes, there might have been some type of split, which happens with bands and people want to do their own thing. But it's like the three of them were family. Yep. And so I can only imagine what they're going through. You know, Quavo watching his nephew. Horrible. Um, right. And that's the thing where we started off talking about there were 40 people there. TMZ, there's, there was all this footage going around social media in the immediate aftermath. A lot of people saw what happened. Yeah. And so hopefully they, they you know, say what they know. But also Quavo was there. Right. You know, and then offset if he wasn't there and especially if there was a rift. Now he has to deal with the fallout of not being able to mend it. Yeah, that was that was one of the most poignant things I saw on Twitter. Someone commenting that, you know, now offset, you know, they'll never get to to mend that rift and, you know, get back on good terms again. So that's, you know, to think about that, that's just really sad. So yeah, this it's still a developing story, as Rodney mentioned. Uh, Rodney and our brand new culture reporter, DeAsia Page, uh, did a story, an obit uh, slash news story. It was sort of a, a hybrid thing, which uh, ran in the paper today. Uh, well, it'll have been a couple of days when this runs, uh, but of course you can find it online. And in coming days, uh, DeAsia will be exploring what Mios meant to uh, Atlanta's culture. Uh, and so keep an eye out for that. And I also should mention that next week we'll have Deasia on uh, the podcast to introduce her to everyone. She's our brand new culture reporter, and we're very excited to have her on. One more hot topic we wanted to mention, Glenn Burns, longtime weatherman for WSB, is retiring. Yeah, he came here uh, in 1982 in the middle of something called Snowmageddon. Apparently it was just a horrible snowstorm. Of course, maybe it was like four inches and it, right. it paralyzed the city. But every so often that seems to happen in Atlanta, the, mm-hmm. um, you know, one inch of snow causing panic. But he, uh, he, yeah, he, he became the chief meteorologist in 1986 and he's, you know, he, he's stuck around until age 70. He's, he's finally decided to step down right. um, on November 22nd at WSB TV as the chief meteorologist. Right. Uh, so that's a good run. And, you know, he was there back in the 80s when the only time you could get live, you know, if you wanted to know what the weather report was, you kind of had to go on TV or on the radio. And that was your only options. Right. So he was quite powerful back in the day. Yeah. Um, obviously, in this day and age, you can check your weather on an app now. So, I, you know, they're... You know, the influence of a meteorologist on TV isn't quite as great as it used to be. But yeah. well, sometimes it's pure entertainment, don't you? I it mean, is. I get those guys get so excited. I'm, I'm so thrilled for them when severe weather comes oh, in. They're a tornado like, it's a watch. My yeah, yeah, they've done hundreds. Yeah, he literally had to do hundreds of tornado watches. This is a city packed with tornado watches. Yeah. And of course, they always interrupt the middle of a soap opera or something to show a tornado path. And then all the soap opera fans get annoyed. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but it is. I mean, we do love to watch the weather, even though I can, you know, pick up my phone and look at the app when there's severe weather happening outside. Oh, I, yeah, I, I see I, them. And, you know, if it's snowing, yeah, yeah. there's a yeah. massive storm. Fulton County, take cover. Yeah, I think there's something <laughs> comforting about, about like, you know, everybody watching and, and, and experiencing it together. I, I think TV kind of gives you that, which... You know, your app's not going to give you that. That's true. So. And, uh, you know, Brad Nitz, who's been there 16 years, was his taking over. And yeah. it, it appears WSB did a nice job transitioning them because right. like three years ago, Nitz took over the 11 p.m. newscast and 
Glenn was no longer having to stay up that late. So they, they did a nice transition. Well, uh, uh, Rodney has a story on uh, Glenn Burns' retirement, uh, and uh, you can check that out on AJC.com. This is Go Atlanta from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. We're back on Go Atlanta from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. And we want to quickly talk about some of the things that we have this week, some of the new uh, stories. And one that uh, Lagaya mentioned at the top of the podcast was places where you can go and eat and still stay warm outside. Yeah, well, it's that time of year. We're sweater weather, soon to be coat weather, I suppose. So yeah, we uh, folks can find at AJC.com right now a roundup of some various places where you will find fire pits, fireplaces, and igloos too. A whole lot of places to check out. I don't know if you guys have a favorite place to go. Yeah, you know, I, I know that there's so many patios now that have, like, at least heaters and things like that. Oh, yeah. Well, um, remember, a lot during COVID, right. a lot of restaurants and bars um, invested in heaters because outside was where we wanted to be, but you kind of wanted to be a little bit warmer. So this was, enabled them to, yeah. you know, offer a little bit of comfort. Yeah. So, yeah. That, I mean, one of the first places I remember going, um, you know, once we felt comfortable after COVID and it was cold out, and so we went to the White Bull in Decatur, and they have a really great big fire pit uh, out uh, back patio, and it's really comfy and cozy back there. So, yeah, I, I love those things. Yeah, well, and also, I mean, we think patio, but also there's rooftop. There are some terraces that are really pretty. So, yeah, folks should check out that story. You know, one of my favorites, really, I think it's just pretty, Arnett's Chop Shop in Brookhaven. So it's on the second, you go up some the stairs, it's on the second level, it's a terrace. But it's just it's just really well appointed, let me right. just say that. And it's cozy, you know, if you have the nice soft seating or whatever. Yeah. But there's so many places all around all of the major counties that we cover. But yeah, so folks will find it online at agc.com yeah. now and they will find it in the Go Guide this Friday. Yeah, actually I don't think it's in your guide, but is it? Okay, just delete that. Folks will find this story <laughs> online now. Uh, yeah, look for you it can... in print and and, and on AJC.com. Uh, yeah, it's a roundup of, of all the places that have like fire pits, fireplaces, igloos, little, little you know, self-contained little things to, uh, you know, keep you safe from both the weather and other people. So <laughs> that's great. And also, uh, they we have a story on November food events. Yeah. I'm, folks should be aware that every month we do put out a calendar of uh, highlights, you know, some of the food and dining events around Metro Atlanta. And um, that also you can find at AJC.com right now. I will mention a couple of them that folks might be want to, you know, pay attention to. One is called Latin Restaurant Weeks, which is an inaugural thing this year. And it's actually a two-week thing starting November 4th. Um, and running to the 18th. And that basically showcases a wide range of Latin American and Hispanic businesses. There's a number participating, and you can find the specific information at latinrestaurantweeks.com. A couple things happening this weekend. There is the annual Chomp and Stomp Festival that's in Cabbage Town. Ten bucks to get your spoon to taste all the chilies. Um, and also Taste of Kennesaw is this weekend, November 5th. There's a Filipino food feast coming up at Adobo ATL. That's a success story here in Metro Atlanta among Filipino concepts. And then lastly, later this month, there's an Atlanta Bourbon Festival on um, November 19th. So you can taste, yeah, like, you know, 50 bourbons and whiskeys. Oh, that sounds so, good. So yeah, so check out um, AJC.com looking for food and dining events in November. Cool. 
All right. Well, uh, uh, Rodney spoke with Melissa Rivers, who uh, you may know as Joan Rivers' daughter. Uh, she has a new book, and she is going to be here for the Marcus Jewish Community Center's book festival. That's right. She'll be here on Saturday at 8 o'clock. She's got a uh, her fourth book, the third one connected to her mom. Um, right after her mom died, I think she did like a memoir, and then she did like a book that collected a lot of Joan's belongings, you know, like some of her jokes and to her paperwork and stuff. And this is, but what's funny about this book, it's actually just a goof of a book. It's historic, it's fiction, basically. It's basically what lies my mother told me. It's basically stuff she thinks her mom could have made up on various topics. It could have been anything historical, like, you know, Adam and Eve or, you know, the pyramids. It, it covers a lot of territory, of course, marriage and sex. And I, I get a sense some of it is probably stuff she might have vaguely remembered her mom saying. But her mom was always big on exaggeration and yeah. <laughs> and BSing her way through jokes. I mean, right. yeah, she, she was not exactly a cinema verite type of comic. Yeah. She was just, she was there for the joke. It awesome. didn't matter what she said. <laughs> she, so, yeah, Melissa, so it's sort of like her channeling her mother. In some yeah, way, she was. She did it during the pandemic, and she felt like it was it was a good therapeutic way to, you know, grasp the fact that her mom died so suddenly eight years yeah. ago. It's 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 just another way to deal with her grief, I think. Right, <laughs> and you know, sell a book. Why not? Sure. <laughs> And uh, uh, like Joan Rivers, uh, there is another person that you spoke with, uh, Sherry Shepard, who also has a talk show like Joan Rivers did. And uh, it's, yeah, it's, it's daytime syndicated. It basically takes over for Wendy Williams' show. Right. Uh, you know, what happened to Wendy? She kind of, she had a lot of medical issues. And, right. And her show, and they ended up having to run a bunch of subs in last season to, you know, even though it was called the Wendy Williams show, they had people like Sherry come in. And I guess in a way, Sherry was auditioning for her own eventual talk show. And they, you know, the syndication company gave it to her. And they yeah. called it Sherry. And, you know, she is much more of a, unlike Wendy, she isn't quite of that. I don't know. Wendy had a certain attitude about gossip that was sometimes borderline dark. Um, yeah. And, and uh, Sherry's much more of a brighter, cheerier, more of that type of template of talk show you know, more of the Ellen DeGeneres type of feel to yeah. her talk show. Yeah. And with Ellen having left her show, it's probably a good time for Cherry to come in and kind of fill that slot, that feel-good slot. Yeah. So how, it, And she's how, on at 11 here. Um, 11 a.m.? On, on WAGA, yeah, Fox yeah. 5 Daily here in yeah. Atlanta. Yeah, and how long has it been running? Just started it? in September. Just oh, started. Okay. Yeah, it's brand okay. new. Um, yeah, she, she's an actress, uh, podcaster, right. author. You know, she's got the usual you know, multi-hyphenate type of jobs here. Um, You might remember she's been on, she had her own like sitcom for a hot second called Cherry. Mm -hmm. And she was on shows called Less Than Perfect and Everybody Loves Raymond. She's been in all all sorts of- And 30 Rock. 30 Rock, yes. Loved her in 30 Rock as uh, Tracy Morgan's wife. Oh yeah, no, she's very funny. Awesome, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, she seems to know everybody too. She's well connected. I think Oprah gave her like a 50 minute session to give her advice on how to do a talk show. Yeah, she's just such a, I, I don't know, I, I always like her. I think she's just such a likable person. Yeah, the, you, know, you need that, I think, for a talk show yeah, host. Um, yeah. So I, I think so far the ratings have indicated she's she's doing pretty well, too. Oh, good. Well, that's good to hear. All right. Well, um, I also want to mention a couple of things that we're working on. Uh, we'll have another of our culinary journeys on a chef called uh, Keith Cash. He's a restaurateur and, and chef. He has a new restaurant called Just Brunch, and... Uh, like much of what he does, it's sort of a tribute to his mom. Well, yeah. Here's the interesting backstory that people in Atlanta will enjoy. He moved to Atlanta around 1999. And initially, he started a tech company here, and then he built websites. One of his customers was Outcast. 
And with the money that he made from designing the website for Outkast's fourth album, Stankonia, he used that to pay for his first cafe. Huh. I know. That's great. I love it. I know, I, I did too. It's a great backstory. So folks should look for that next yeah. installment of Atlanta Culinary Journeys. Yeah, keeping the money here in Atlanta. That's great. Yeah. <laughs> and also, um, we will have a story on Veterans Day events coming up next week. So, you know, if you're looking for some way to commemorate the day, uh, we'll have a whole list of those things. Also have uh, one of our freelancers working on a story on the Susie Awards, which is Atlanta's Theater Awards. And there have been some controversies uh, surrounding that. In recent times, there were recent years when they didn't give out awards, rules have changed, things like that, and uh, not every theater submitted their work for consideration, so uh, there's a little bit of a story behind that, and we'll find out what that is. Also coming up in Go Guide, we'll have a story on local black distillers, uh, which is sort of a growing uh, group of distillers, and the obstacles they face, as many, many distillers face, because of rules, regulations, and how they change, and and all of that sort of thing. Uh, this weekend's uh, Sunday Living and Art section, we'll uh, talk to Sid Stein, whose brothers died in World War II. Yet again, that's something that's uh, pegged to Veterans Day. Also, we'll have a story on coming up in Sunday Living and Arts on the neighborhood Rose Hill, which used to be where Candler Park now stands. And they recently commemorated that by actually doing outlines of some of the houses that were in the neighborhood and, you know, mem- remembering those days and, and when a lively neighborhood stood there. Also, we'll have a story on where to eat out on Thanksgiving. And now it's time for the Pet of the Week. Bigfoot is two years old and 77 pounds, and as you may have guessed, he has big feet. His fur is charcoal and white, which makes him look quite distinguished in selfies. Bigfoot is well-behaved and walks easily on a leash. He's a little short-legged and wags his tail constantly to display his happiness. He is very talented and putting all his toys in his mouth at one time. His energy level is low to medium, and he's truly just a lovely all-around fellow. Now all he needs is you. To find out more about Bigfoot, email Lifeline Animal Project today at adoption at DeKalbCountyAnimalServices.com or stop by for a meet and greet at DeKalb County Animal Services located at 3280 Chambly Dunwoody Road in Chambly. Thanks for listening to Go Atlanta. We release a new episode every Thursday morning to keep you in the loop of all the great things Atlanta has to offer, whether it involves planning an outing or just giving you something to talk about with friends and family. So be sure to subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. For more things to do in and around Atlanta, go to AJC.com. Thanks, as always, to Rodney Ho. Thank you, Shane. And to LaGuy Figueres. Thanks, I'm headed to Waffle House. And thanks also to Tia Mitchell for joining us this week. Thank you for having me. I'm Shane Harrison. Thanks for listening to our brand new podcast, and we'll talk to you again next week for more ways to go Atlanta. Atlanta.